This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. It is the word of truth. I am. I am. What it says I am. What it says I am. I can do. I can do. What it says I can. What it says I can. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And not a doubter. And not a doubter. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. And not just a hearer. And not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith comes by hearing. I know that faith comes by hearing. And by hearing by the word of God. And hearing by the word of God. Amen. 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 Thank you so very much. Come on, let's give our little hand clap of praise, if you will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank our babies for coming to participate on Fourth Sunday, and uh, thanks to Suzanne and her crew for encouraging and inspiring them to want to be a part of our worship experience by doing our statement of faith. Amen? Amen. Well, you, most of you should have your Bibles already turned to 2 Corinthians chapter 14, chapter 2, excuse me, uh, verse 14. The Bible says this from the New, uh, New King James. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us. Somebody say us. So winning is a team effort. Amen. Amen. He didn't say lead me. He said lead. So there's an expectation that we're all supposed to lead us in triumph and through us. Somebody say us again. That means you. Mean all of us. Amen. What we're supposed to do. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge every place. Amen? Hold on to that thought. We'll get back there in a minute. Y'all may be seated. This is going to be our fourth and our final sermon in the series that, you know, kind of center around the theme for this year, the year of great tribe. We have subtopic this uh, particular sermon uh, as walking in spiritual triumph. And we've been kind of dealing with that for the last uh, couple of weeks. I've said that, you know, when we read this, the Apostle Paul when he wrote that, as I would explain, was kind of perplexed when he wrote that because he was concerned about what was going on with Titus and Timothy and some of those that were not with him at, the, uh, at this time. But when the news came, he got happy. Amen? And so he was inspired to write, you know, now thanks be to God, you know, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Always. Not sometime, but Always. And so, therefore, we got to buy into always mean that God is always looking for us to overcome any circumstance or situation that come in our lives. Amen? Now, we said triumph is to gain a victory. Somebody say victory. To gain victory, success, or achievement. To overcome or to prevail. Last one is to rejoice or celebrate over a victory. You know, I was looking at the game last night, man. There were two teams that left the field wasn't celebrating. Amen. When they saw that ball go through that goal post in the last couple of seconds, they would lean like this, hoping to go the other way. And then the minute it went through, they went. Amen. They ain't had nothing to celebrate. But on the other side, those guys were looking like this. And when it went through, grown men lost it. Just lost it out there. Major, it was sub-zero weather up there. When it make you do some things in cold weather. And what I'm trying to, trying to get you all to see 
is that when you understand your position in Christ as a winner, you got to be ready to praise him anytime, anywhere. When a... let, let, me, let me go ahead and finish it. So, so, so I said that triumph is something when you experience as well as something you express. And normally when people win, they celebrate, right? Now, last week we learned uh, that we triumph when we realize that our weapons of warfare are spiritual and not carnal. Can't win this game fighting with your feelings. Amen. And we learn that we triumph spiritually when we put on the whole armor of God. Amen. And then we close by, you know, looking at Jesus as he was giving his final words, final speech to his disciples uh, before his crucifixion. When he told them and encouraged them with these words from John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you that you may have, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So the implication there is because he overcame, we're supposed to overcome. And so therefore we have to got, start learning to live the overcomer's life. Amen. So in 1 John, go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Wait for me there. I'll be there in a moment. John, now go a little deeper in this passage to kind of expound on what Jesus said about overcoming. And now he gives us one way that we can know that we can overcome the world. Now, for us, it's important for us to understand that we triumph over the world because the greater one lives in us. The greater one lives in you. And if the greater one lives in you, by default, you are supposed to overcome the world. And if we are not, that either means the Bible is a lie or the greater one is not See, the world is this world's system of beliefs and the community of those who stand in opposition to God. See, in this space or community, we have, as Christians, we have to prevail. We have to conquer. We have to overcome all that would keep us from glorifying God with our lives. Now, as Christians, we must expect continuing tension with this unbelieving world because the world is out of sync with God. It's out of sync with Jesus. And if you're in sync with him, the world is not going to always see things the same way that you do. And therefore, you got to understand when that opposition comes, you can't wimp out. Especially if the greater one lives in, in you. And so, Christians, you know, God didn't save us and take us out of the world. But he expects us to glorify him by living before the world in a way that will bring honor and glory to his name. And so as we do that, we're going to meet opposition. But when we meet opposition, we don't have to become fearful and doubtful because we know who's on the inside of. So, so now look at this. I'm in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6 I'm going to read here. He says, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have come from God. 
So it looked like everybody can have a spirit. And either you may have a spirit that comes from God, or you got a spirit that comes from somewhere. And when people open their mouth, they can say anything based upon the spirit that is inside of them. And if you don't know how to discern whether that person's spirit is of God, of the world, then you could easily be the... Now look at this. He says, for there are many false prophets in the world. Look here. And the Bible don't leave us without an answer. He said, this is how we know if we have the spirit of God. Somebody say spirit of God. Now, I would just automatically say by virtue of the fact that you're sitting here on Sunday morning, you know, when it's 32 degrees or less outside, and you woke up this morning out of your warm bed and got online, you got some kind of spirit in you that relate to God. Amen. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt there. He says, now, this is how we know if they have the spirit of God. But he goes on to say, if a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. So a lot of times we live in an age now where everybody considers themselves spiritualists and, you know, got all kind of ideas about spiritual relationships and things of that nature, and they're teaching on that. He's saying to us here, when you listen to those folks, you got to be knowledgeable enough to know, do they ever acknowledge Jesus as coming in the If they can't do that, then I don't care who they say they are. They're not dealing with the same spirit that you are. Because if they were dealing with the same spirit, Mike, that you are, they would not have a problem saying that Jesus is the son of God. He came in the flesh, hung, bled, and died for our sins, and was raised on the third. They wouldn't have a problem. But if they can't say that, then you need to be careful who you listen to. Because we believe he came in the flesh. Amen? Amen? Now look at this. Verse 3 says, But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has a spirit, has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming into, world, into the world and indeed is already here. Antichrist just means those who oppose Jesus. Don't be running around here looking for a person. You need to be running around here looking for the spirit that's in a lot of folk, not just one person. Oh, yeah, I think the Antichrist is coming back next year. Okay, he may be already here with you. And the person that you're talking to, if they don't accept Jesus Christ as being... And the fact that he's coming in the flesh. If they can't agree that he is the son of God, then they are anti. And he said that there are a lot of people in these days that's going to go around and, and they're going to do that from a spirit also. So it looks like if you know that there are dueling spirits in the world, you need to be able to discern the one that don't represent the Lord and the one that does. And if you're not able to do that, you can go sit up in church on Sunday and be listening to the anti. And don't even know it. Because the Bible says, Brother JP, 
He is already here. That spirit is already in the earth. And there are preachers, preachers and teachers standing up on some Sunday mornings and they are anti Just because they got a title or stand in the pulpit don't mean that they believe that Jesus came in the flesh. He says, already here. Now look at, this, look at verse 4. He said, but you belong. Somebody say, belong. He says, but you belong to God, my dear children. So that means that you are under ownership of God. And after being under his authority, that make you related to him. So he says, Cliff, you belong to God, my dear children. And because you belong to God, you have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in them. So my question to you is, if you know that and accept that as truth, why are you living a defeated life in this earth? There ought to be something on the inside of you to inspire you to believe that no matter what comes your way and who comes your way, you got something greater, especially when it comes to people teaching something that don't line up with God's word. There ought to be something on the inside of you to stand up and say, hey, that is not lining up with God's word. That is not truth in accord with God's. He says, you have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the one who lives in this world system that we're in. You got the greater one living on the inside of you. He says this in verse 5. Those people belongs to this world. So they speak from the world's viewpoint. Now that word viewpoint is interesting. It, 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 it's just asking Brother Rob, what is shaping your mentality when it comes to Jesus? Where do you get your views from when it comes to the gospel? Do you get your views from the way the world sees Jesus? Or do you get your views from the way the Holy Spirit revealed him to you? Because believe it or not, you have a viewpoint. And I would hope that your viewpoint is strong enough that you can convince someone who don't share your viewpoint that, hey, the viewpoint that I got of Jesus, you need to at least listen to it so that you can get a better understanding of who he is. But if you can't share your viewpoint because you're not sure what your views are, then that means you are following the world system and whatever the world thinks, that may be your mental mindset. Oh, Lord, help me here. I was supposed to read over this quick, but something is making me slow down right here because there are a lot of people who come to church on Sunday that are Christians, but they think like those. They see things like the they can relate more to worldly things than they can to spiritual things. Your views are shaped by what you allow into your spirit every day. 
And if you're letting other things come in your spirit that override the Holy Spirit, then your viewpoint could become skewed, even though you say you are a child of... You have to always remind yourself that the greater one lives in... So no matter what the world throw at me, no matter what doctrine, what teaching, whatever they throw, I got something on the inside of me that can overrule all that can triumph over it all. He says now, but we, somebody say we, but we belong to God. And those who know God, listen to us. The people that you're trying to share this gospel with that know God, they're going to listen. But there are going to be some people out there that's going to hold on to that world viewpoint, they ain't going to listen. You can't get this hard because people won't listen to you when you're trying to share the gospel. You got to believe that there is an audience out there that want to hear what you got to say. You just need to keep doing it, keep testifying, keep telling people how good Jesus is. Keep giving them the truth of the gospel, and then there are going to be some people that's going to come to want to know what you got. But at the meantime, don't focus on all the opposition. Don't focus on the fact that the world, yes, the world outpaced us in a lot of things. But look here, we got to continue to pursue the thing that God has called us to do. And we got to share this gospel in spite of the opposite. In spite of what you go through. In spite of where you are in life. You got to have the mindset that the greater one is on the inside of me. And I have an obligation to share Jesus with the world. Now let me read this again. Verse 6. We belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. And if they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. So you got a 50-50 chance. Ain't no middle ground there. They're going to either believe what you got to say and belong to God, or they're not. Because they belong to the... Now we shouldn't be too hard because we all came out the world. We walked out of darkness into the marvelous light. So therefore, we know that there's still people out there in darkness. And I got news for you. Whatever won you to this side will win them. You just need to go back and play the tapes in your mind and see what got you out of the situation and circumstance you were in to get you to the place where you're sitting here now. In 2022, when it's 32 degrees, that must be a spirit on the inside of you. that will make you want to come and fellowship around God's word when the conditions are always not great outside. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that just like you made that transition, there are others out there who can do the same thing, but they need us to keep presenting the case to them till they come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Son of God and he came in the And look at this. He says, this, that is how you know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. So it looked like there may be two spirits running around out there. One that is designed to deceive and trick and manipulate people and one that is the spirit of And because you belong to God, you ought to be carrying that spirit of and you ought to believe that because you have that truth and the greater one lives in you, 
then you're not going to be deceived by the world. You, you, you was taught last week that the, there are principalities and powers sitting everywhere, but if you put on the whole armor, you're supposed to be able to discern what you're dealing with out there. Even in spiritual warfare, you ain't supposed to be manipulated and taken advantage of all because you are ignorant. You just don't know the power that you have and the power that is on the inside. And I don't want to start using religious language and, you know, but look here, man, you, the Bible say we ought to be able to discern. You ought to be able to just sense something. You know, the old folk used to say, I don't know if they're talking about, you know, I just can feel something deep down. I mean, let me know, that just ain't. That, that's that discernment. And you ought to have that spiritual discernment that when things are happening around you, something ought to in, on the inside of you, that just don't. We just have to unleash the power that is on the inside of us. I think we've been holding him back and keeping him from carrying out his assignment in our lives because we quench, quench the spirit of God instead of letting him lead and guide us as we navigate our way through the world. The world in and of itself is not bad. God left us here. But the thing is, we're supposed to influence the world and not let the world influence. We're in it, but not of it. Amen. Stay in the first, first, job, first John. And we're going to go to first John. Just skip over to chapter 5 real quick. So the first point there was that, hey, the greater one lives in you. You're supposed to triumph spiritually because you know who's on the inside of you. Here, in chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, we triumph over the world because of our faith in Jesus. See, the world throws many allurements at us. And, 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 and what we got to understand is that these things come to pull us away from the faith. Now, allurements are nothing more than things that has the power to entice you, to attract you, to tempt you, to solicit you, or persuade you. You know, those things are all around us. We just, if we would be honest with ourselves, we can see there are certain things that have the power to entice There are some things that just, you know, we say, I don't want that no more, but it just a, Trying to get away from me, that's pulling me. And so what you got to understand that the world is going to always be trying to pull you to something. And you got to know how to resist that pull so that you can overcome whatever it is that is trying to pull you. The world is going to try to solicit you, persuade you. But if you know the truth, you'll be able to withstand all the tactics of the other side. So we don't have to fall into the trap like most of us do. We got to outgrow, outgrow. I'm only, I'm only human. God knew that. That ain't no new revelation, Major. You're only human. But you got a spirit on the inside of you that is supernatural, that comes from God, that's supposed to help you overcome your human flesh. Amen. So yeah, we got to stop for, I'm only human. They're just saying, I need an excuse to keep doing what's wrong. 
I'm only human. Do what's wrong? I'm only. But Cliff, you're supposed to have something on the inside of you to make you a superhuman. You ain't supposed to be like somebody who don't even know God. You know God. And so what, what we got to understand is that the world is doing what it's supposed to do. Try to pull you into some things that you know that go against God. And John lets us know that because of our faith in Jesus, we have victory over the allurements of the world. Our faith in Jesus coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit in us provides us with all that we need to triumph over the world. We just need to be determined, be determined with the resolve and a strong mind that we're going to walk in the victory that Jesus has already secured. You've got to make up in your mind you're going to live and act like a winner. You're going to have to make up in your mind that you're going to live like you're a victor and not a victim. It's easy to buy into the victim's mentality. That's easy to get people to sob with you when you want to play the... But sooner or later, you've got to play the victor. Amen! God didn't call us to always be... We was victims before Jesus. Now we ought to be victorious because of... If we never win anything for the Lord, why do anyone want to join this us? Who want to run with a bunch of us's that can't win nothing? I hope y'all heard Brother Anthony online. He said those us that can't win nothing, it's called losers. And nobody want to run with a bunch of... Y'all, I told you to go in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Look at this. He says, everyone, somebody say everyone. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of... Is that you? Is there anybody in here who believes that Jesus is the Christ? then by default, that makes you a child of? You ought to give God a hand clap of praise right there, right there. That's a good praise. Now look here. Now here's the kicker. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Wait a minute. God and me are mutually inclusive. You can't get him without getting I can't get him without getting. I can't say that I love God, Sister Wilson, and got a problem with you where I can't love you. So what it's telling us, when it comes to loving your brothers and sisters who you didn't call into the family, he did, you don't have no choice but to love them. You know, if I was God, I would have put light right there because it's either light folk, but it's hard sometimes to love folk. I ain't talking about to just speak to them in a little casual way. I'm talking about to genuinely care for your brothers and sisters because you're part of the same family. And he's saying, look, if you say you love God, you got to love both. If I say I love God, Mike, I got to love you. And we got to love each other in spite of our feelings about one another. Jesus said the world will know you 
By the love that you have for one. And here John is saying that we have become a child of God and everyone who loves, who, who loves the father loves his children. So that means you don't have a right not to love somebody that's in the body of Christ. In general. But specifically in strife. Y'all remember the striving, right? Most of y'all? I should have got a good little amen right there. Because we, we, we got to break this love code thing because, you know, we can't get too far in the spirit if our love connection ain't right. Your spirit going to be all messed up if we can't love. I think sometimes we feel like it's our job to call the new members into the family. And God didn't give us that responsibility. We're supposed to encourage and talk to others, and when people come, we're supposed to see them as brothers and because you said you love God. And God is saying, if you say you love me, Brother Daniel, then you got to love Major. You don't have a choice in this thing. And the reason it's so important for us is because love is God's highest attribute and he is love and therefore he expects us to love one another. Look at this. Verse 2 says, we know we love God's children. That's talking about how we love others. If we love God and obey his commandments. See, the commandment is going to tell you to love your brothers and sisters. It's going to tell you, love the Lord that God with all your heart, spirit, soul, mind, and body, and love thy neighbor as thyself. In this case, your neighbor is your brother and your sister, and you're supposed to love them like you love you. If you don't talk bad about you, don't talk bad about your brother. If you don't go around beating yourself up with your mouth, don't beat your brother. If you ain't slapping yourself around, don't be slapping your brother and sister around. And I'm, I'm talking about these Christians out there who may have a heavy hand in marriage. Man, you can't be no Christian talking about you love the Lord and love God and you hitting your wife. I don't even know how I got on that street. Let me move on because feeling some resistance like that. Let me, let me move on. If we love God and obey his commandments, then it lets us know that we got to love his children. Look at verse 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And then John had to come back and tell us, and his commandments are not grievous or burdensome. See, somebody said, well, man, when I love God, man, I always wait on me. God want me to stop doing this. want me to do this. I'm waiting. And John is saying, what God wants you to do is not a weight on you. The things he's asking you to do, he knows you're able. It's your flesh that's making us a, a burden. That part, oh God, help me out. That, that part, that nature in us that want to come against the new nature in you, that's the part of you that say, hey, this is a burden. God wants me to love them. God want me to stop this, want me to walk this way. God want me to do that. That's just so hard to do. 
then you're allowing the world and that other spirit to deceive you, to make you think that God done put something on you that you can't do. In the Bible, here's Brother J.P. says it's not grievous. It's not a burden. So, so being a child of God should not be a burden to you. Man, this should be a, 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 a low lightning experience, not a loading down experience. There ought to be some freedom when you know that you are a child of God, when you know the relationship that you have with him and all the things that you can experience with him because you are saved. That ought to be a freedom. Forget about the fact that you had to give up some sinful things. That's okay. Most of the things that God asks us to make adjustments to and change in our lives are for our good. They're not designed to hurt us. They're designed to make us better. But if you look at it from the world's point of view, why God wants you to stop doing that? Well, he may not want everybody to stop doing the same thing at the same time, but he's he dealing with you as his child now, and you got to know what he's telling you. Because for you to do something that God told you not to do is sin to So God's commandments, the thing that he expects from us, is not a heavy weight. And we can't listen to one another talk like we are weighted down. Man, God ain't trying to take TV from you. He knows he can't do that. He's just trying to regulate. He don't want you sitting there for hours and hours and hours. And then when it's time to go to bed, you can't even pray for two minutes. He, he ain't trying to stop you from things you like. You don't have no problem with you having some fun and stuff in your life. But when your fun become your God, and we minimize the time that we're supposed to give him because he loved us first and we love him back, then that's when we start thinking that man, what God want me to do is too heavy. You forget what's on the inside of you. You need to unleash that power that's on the inside of you that gives you the strength to do the things that God called you to do. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And all things that have to pertain to getting this gospel out into the things that the world needs to know about Jesus. You can do it. We can do it. And so what we have to do is every now and then, the word of God has to challenge us. And when it challenges us, it speaks to our spirit on the inside. And our spirit gets energized and want to do something. The thing is, you can't quench your spirit when it's trying to get loose. Don't hold back the power that's on the inside of you because you're allowing your fleshly nature, which is never going to die all the way, going to always be fighting to overrule your spiritual nature. The Bible says you have a divine nature in you. Something in you came from God. And because it's in you, you got to allow it to overrule your old nature. In order to do that, then you're going to have to say, God, the things that you would have me to do it's not a burden. Let me move on. I, I know. He said, now look, verse 4, 
for every child. Somebody say every child. For every child of God to defeat this evil world. And we achieve, we, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Your faith in Jesus secured you the victory over the world. Not just me. He says every child. When he started off at the very top, he's talking about everyone who believed. Now he's saying all those, every child defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith in Jesus. Now look at this, verse 5, and I'm going to move on. And who can win this battle against the world? Glad you asked. Only those who believe that Jesus. So the question is, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, why don't you just give him a hand clap of praise right now? <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Now, 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 the reason that's important because if you believe that he is the Son of God, you got to stop whining, crying, and complaining about the world. Because now something is mentally messing with you. Some viewpoints is messing with you because your views of what God's just said about you is not strong enough to let you know no matter what the world throws me. Because I believe in Jesus, I have over. I got victory. Man, we ought to have a church full of victory testimony. Every week, somebody ought to be saying something about the goodness of the Lord, what he's done in their life, how he's delivered, how he's kept them, how he kept them walking in the straight and narrow, whatever he's been doing in our life, we ought to have a testimony. We ought to have a winning story every week. Just by virtue of the fact that you hear this week from last week, that's a winning testimony. I used to look down on people who used to get up every Sunday morning and talk about, you know, I want to give thanks to God for my life, health, and strength. I thought, man, that's just a weak lame. Why do you say that every week? I was young and dumb. Now that I'm old, I understand what them people are talking about. When I say I give the thanks to God for my life, health, and strength. Because there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to need your life, your health, and your... And you might as well give him thanks for it now while you got it. So when tough times come in your life, you can say, God, you brought me this far. And I know because I believe in Jesus. Your goodness is following me. Let me close with this. I'm going to take a closer look at our scripture, and, and I hope y'all can see it like Paul was trying to get us to see it. And because we have this greater one living in us, and I'm back in 2 Corinthians now, and I'm going to read 14 through 16. And we have faith in Jesus. We now are supposed to spread that knowledge to those who don't know him. In other words, we're supposed to go out and be a living testimony and testify to the world what the Lord has done for us. And I, I call this, you know, right here, the point here is triumphant to testify. You want to talk about it. You want to give God the glory. You want to share with somebody what he has done for you.
You are triumphant so that you can testify to others about the goodness of the Lord. And so look at this. When Paul wrote this, now, like I told you, he was a little perplexed because he was concerned about what was going on. But when the news came that everything was all right with Titus and the boys, then he said, now look here. He says, now thanks be to God. That's supposed to be a praise moment right there. He's giving God thanks for the news that he just got because every now and then we can get perplexed and think that where is God in this situation? But all of a sudden the spirit opens your eyes and opens your mind up and you can say, now thanks be to God. Even though I thought things were looking down, looking bad, but when God spoke to my spirit, now who always lead us. This is a team effort. So this triumph is not just one Christian. All Christians are supposed to be able to. In Christ. So he always lead us in Christ. Why? Why do he lead us in Christ so that we can triumph? Why? So that through us, somebody say us, he can diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge in everywhere. Now, I done did this before. Some of y'all may not remember, but I hope it makes, I got another revelation this time. See, fragrance, I thought everything that smelled was a fragrance. But a fragrance is supposed to be a sweet smell. Something that makes your nostril want to go, hmm. But there are some smells that are foul. That when you smell them, you go, ah. Now, this is what he's saying. This gospel that you got is a fragrance. And you know, I looked up and tried to find different fragrances. There are thousands and thousands, Rob, and thousands of fragrances. But he's saying that there's one that bears the gospel. And when you spray it, because there are thousands out there, everybody is not going to like them. Somebody will say, oh, that's too strong for me. Even though it ain't foul, it's a good fragrance, but you just don't like the money. you rather go and get somebody else, Calvin Klein. That's okay if Calvin Klein is the one. But if he's not the one, just because the other one smells a little tough to you, if it's the right one, you better keep. And we got to keep spray. Because guess what? There are going to be some people say that, hey, I don't like that. That, that just does. Uh, uh, that, that, I don't like that, 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 that way that that smell. Then there are going to be some people say, ooh, I love it. Oh, I love that. I like the way that smells. I like the way Jesus smells. I like, tell me more about Jesus so I can get some. Oh, I just, because we're supposed <laughs> you guys are supposed to be a sweet smelling aroma. But the good thing, that's a, that's a, that, that's a tough contrast here that I had a hard time accepting. That somebody, you are tasked with a responsibility to spray something that some people are going to accept and some people are going to walk away. And the Bible says, look at here, when you spray that thing, and some people walk away from it, they're walking into death and damnation so it don't smell good to them. To them, it's a smell of stink, and that stink, they just don't understand by seeing it as that and turn away from it 
they're turning away from their salvation. They're turning away from the truth that they need to know. And he said, but don't get discouraged because there's some out there who's going to, oh, I've been waiting on Jesus. I've been waiting for somebody to just come and tell me about him. I've heard grandma, but I've been waiting. There are people out there who just waiting for you to start spreading the gospel, start spreading it so that they can get a, oh, hmm. Some people have been sitting in stink for so long that anything that you spray about Jesus is going to make them say, hmm, that smells so much better. But the thing is, we got to be bold enough to go out and you got to be bold enough to go out and spread the gospel. you got to be bold enough to share with those who need it. Because if you're sitting on it, what good is this, you know, $90 ounce? If I'm doing this, let's and let it sit there. I jumped out the shower, got on all my night clothes, you know. And then I walk up to Rob and he said, I don't smell nothing coming up. <laughs> I don't smell nothing coming off him. He probably be walking around smelling like Jesus. I don't, I don't, I don't smell nothing coming off him. I don't, he, he, he forgot to spray himself down before he left on. He ain't bring the spray with him. He needs to be diffusing Jesus everywhere he goes. And so what I'm trying to tell you, what good is it having him if you're not going to share him? What good is having him if you're not going to spray him? What good is having him if you're not going to diffuse the gospel to those who need to know? Yes, some people are going to say, boy, you stink. I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. Da, 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 that's okay. There's an audience out there that do want to hear there's an audience out there who's going to see that this is a smell of life instead of a smell of Man, that's what took me. He said, now look at this. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. And I wish he had a stop right there. Brother Rob, Brother Latham, I wish he had a stop right there. But he says, you are fragrance of those who are perishing. Wow. Then he explained it to us. To the one, you are the aroma of death. Oh, that stink. I never did like Eve St. Laurent. That stink. But Eve St. Laurent is the only choice you got. I ain't got Calvin Klein up here and all L'Oreal and, you know, Chanel. I got Eve St. Laurent. And he represents Jesus. And anything that don't say Eve St. Laurent may smell good to you. But then when you smell this, you're going to say it's... That's a heavy burden to carry on you that some people going to receive what you spray and live and some people are going to turn away from it and and that's awesome that's an awesome responsibility and so knowing that some of you would rather keep the top on and don't do nothing because you don't want to run the risk of someone saying no. So you just leave the question unanswered. 
and unanswering the question is not a good. Look what he said in verse 16. To the one, we are an aroma of death leading to, because they said it stank. They would rather have some polo. Because they think polo smell good. But Jesus didn't endorse. He didn't endorse this either. This just my ball. I got this for a Christmas present. So they all gonna be straight. Pastor ain't trying to say I don't even like that, but since it was a gift, I, you know, I'm gonna use it. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna use. People give me something to use. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk around with it on like I really love it. But I, that ain't my that ain't my brand. But since it was a gift, I'm gonna use it. But but. I'm just being, y'all laughing at that boy, y'all. Y'all done missed my point. Look here. <laughs> I'm a user, yeah. So that's my Jesus for the day. Amen. That's the gospel that I'm trying to spread right now. And so what he's saying, to the ones we are an aroma of death leading to death, to the other an aroma of life leading to life. So you got a 50-50 chance. What you can't do is change the fragrance. You can't get out there and say, because the others don't want to smell it, I'm going to kind of dilute it down and mix it up with some Chanel. I'm going to mix it up with some Polo. I'm going to mix this up. And then now you're trying to mix the world's view of this bottle in order to win the world. You got to believe what you got in here and what you got on the inside of you is enough. And Paul felt so heavy about that charge. Look what he said then. And who is sufficient? Man, who can walk around with that weight on them knowing that what I say, based upon the gospel, some people are going to live, some going to die. Who can carry that weight? He answered it later, but he lets us know that the only way you can carry that weight is because of what on the If you don't have the power of God and the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you'll be intimidated by that weight of having to share this gospel and you would not diffuse the knowledge of Jesus Christ everywhere you You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit and by your faith in Jesus Christ. You have been empowered. We have been empowered. To diffuse this gospel, you ain't got to walk in your job with a Bible, but your attitude ought to look like Jesus. Your tone and your tenor ought to look like Jesus. There ought to be something about the way you carry yourself. Huh. I smell something different. Everybody else in here talking foul, but I, I smell some smell good over here. Everybody else in here is negative. They're always negative. Negative, negative, negative. But... I smell something different coming from you. You don't sound like everybody else in here. You don't talk like everybody else. It ain't always somebody else's problem. You have bought into the fact that the greater one lives in you, and so therefore you're going to carry yourself like a winner no matter where you go, no matter who you're around, because people are drawn to And what we got is a winning formula on the inside of us, and we need to believe that that formula will draw others to Jesus. But if you don't have the boldness, start that little song. I, I like this song. It's been on the radio. I don't know who the lady is that made it, but it's counterfeit song. You say, every now and then, you just got to testify. 
You just need to talk about you to somebody and say what the Lord done did for you. You don't need to try to go and read John and Matthew and Mark and Luke. You ain't got time to do all that on the elevator. You ain't got time to do it when that person come in your office with an issue or a problem. All you can do is say, this is what the Lord done for me. Let me give you a first-hand account of how good he is to me, what he's done in my life. And I'm telling you, every time you do that, you're spreading a little of that fragrance. You're spreading that aroma all over the place. You're doing what the Lord has called us to do, is spread the knowledge of Jesus. Y'all stand to your feet right quick. Hallelujah. I'm through preaching. The song say, you got a story to tell. And can't nobody tell your story but you. And what I'm telling you, you don't need to carry the Bible around with you every day to tell your story. Your story is going to be the most convincing argument when you start talking to people that's living in this system that we live in. Because you are authentic when you are talking about you. You giving them a first-hand account of what the Lord has done in your life. You know, if we was in the old church, we would get a testimony right now. Somebody, I believe, may have something to say. But there may be some new schoolers that think, well, you done said you done closed. And there were going to be no more preaching. But there just may be one person here who want to say something about the goodness of the Lord. Doc got his hand up. Come on up and get a mic. Y'all can be seated. Because we don't know where this is headed. But we just going to allow the Spirit of God to uh, let us listen to what has happened in someone's life. Morning, church. Good morning. I don't know who this message is for. When the Spirit speaks to you, you've got to listen, and you've got to move. I just got back from a deployment, long deployment, and even out in the desert, the sun was still shining. Amen. I'm going to give you a time. I'm going to give you a time to sort of let that settle in. The sun was still shining. The message today is the sun is still shining. Amen. In your life, no matter what, the situation, the sun is still shining. Amen. It is not the S-U-N I'm referring to. All right. It is the S-O-N. Yes. His sun is still shining. No matter how high you get, no matter how low you get, his sun is still shining. I came home, my dad battling with cancer for many years, he passed away. For many people, that would have floored them. But the sun is still shining. Amen. He prepares you as you walk for things that you will enter in tomorrow. All right. He is the God of yesterday, He's the God of today, and He's the God of tomorrow. Amen. 
Glory to your name, Lord. So what we need to understand is if a situation comes at you, because he's the God of yesterday, because he's the God of today, and because he's the God of tomorrow, he knows. Not only does he know, but he also cares. Amen. So that combination of being all-knowing and all-caring should settle your heart. Amen. It should settle your minds, your bodies, and your soul. Amen. Because he not only knows of the situation which you're going through, but he cares and he has the ability to either remove you from the situation or to carry you through the situation. Oh, hallelujah. There's not all situations that you are supposed to get out of. There are certain situations oh my Lord. that you must go through in order for growth and faith to be established. That's right. So, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling low, remember, the sun still shines. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, we can give God some praise. Hallelujah. Jesus is still shining. Still looking down on your situation and your circumstances. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he deserves the praise. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Is there another one before I move on? Is there anybody else before I move on? I want to thank God for, Doc, for sharing that with us, and I want to thank you all for your patience and listening. But always remember that God, through Jesus Christ, wants us to triumph. I mean, he wants us to get over every situation, every circumstance that comes in our lives. And once we understand that, we have to walk like we are triumphant. We have to talk like we are triumphant. And once we start doing that, you know, the things that we say and the things we do will kind of embolden us to help us get through some things. And so I thank God for his word and I thank God for uh, the testimony. At this time now, we transition to that part of our worship service.